Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So we're going to be blessed this morning. Brad is a dear friend. He absolutely uh, challenges me, uh, inspires me. Um, I love hearing him preach. I learn so much whenever he speaks, and he sits under some amazing, amazing teaching uh, at Passion City, and we're going to be so blessed today. So would you stand with me? Can we give a big colonial church welcome? Come on this morning to Pastor Brad Jones as he brings the word. Uh, keep it down, keep it down. Y'all can have a seat. Hello, Colonial 915. So fired up to be here. The eight was strong. Uh, the eight has got something on it, and some of these people need to come to the eight so there can be more room at the 915. Can I get an amen? It's awesome. Shout out to uh, St. Augustine Beach, Florida. I mean, does it get any better than St. Augustine? Uh, no, it does not. At the 8 o'clock, there was a few people that used to live in Atlanta and go to our church, and I was like, where'd y'all go? And they're like, COVID and St. Augustine, and we're not coming back. And I'm like, that's a good point. But Hey, I'm honored to be here. Shout out to a couple things. Um, one, you, th- this is amazing. And uh, I'm going to preach in a minute, and I, I do from the bottom of my heart hope that what God has given me is a, a blessing to you that this wouldn't just be a checking off the list for you or for me. I don't wanna just go through the motions or just like use this as another, hey, I needed to or I should or, I, yeah, oh, cool, I get to go. Like, I, I wanna serve you and I hope God uh, uses me to help you. Um, your church has served me and inspired me way more than you know. And every time Brittany and I are here, my wife and my daughter are on the front row right here and our son is over in Colonial Kids, but Every time we're here, we're blessed, and it refreshes our soul, and you're a part of that. If you serve, if you give, if you attend, I mean, come on, this morning, how good is it on a July 10th to have worship going off like it does at 9.15 in the morning? Please, please, please don't take that for granted, and God has gifted you with some amazing anointed worship leaders I mean, Jill could be leading worship wherever she wanted around the world, but she pastors here, and I partly didn't want her uh, to lead today because I wanted to give her a breather, but she also, I also am like, you're one of the best worship leaders, so please lead when I'm coming. So Jill, we honor you, Jeremy, Berm, the whole team. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um. We mentioned we're going to camp, and um, I'm honored to get to lead the team. Are y'all ready for camp over here? Um, Pray for me, by the way. Um, I'm speaking tomorrow night, and uh, last year I spoke, and I used the illustration about following Jesus, and I had a a kid, Berm, don't laugh. I don't have the video, but I... I used the illustration, and I just wanted to serve the students well, and I had them, like, I had this one uh, middle school kid chase me around the arena with 6,000 people, and uh, just to talk about following Jesus, go where he goes, and at his pace, and then 
I thought I was a little bit more athletic than I really was. In, in the moment, I tried to hurdle a chair, <laughs> clipped my back foot, went down so hard. Didn't think I was severely hurt. I was bleeding like I had to preach. The point of the story is I kept preaching, you know, like that. Nobody is giving me credit for that. I do genuinely think I broke my hand. Um, so pray for me. But all that to say, um, last year I had a conversation with your youth pastor, Allie. And at the very first night, I asked her, I said, what, what are you hoping for at camp? And she said back to me, the pastor of the camp, well, we're believing for, she didn't say it with that tone, but she said, we're believing for a few things. And I'll never forget that moment. And I'm like, I want to switch from hoping for things to believing for things. So, Allie, we honor you. We say you're amazing. Thank you. I've, I've got a message to bring, uh, but Maddie is one of my best friends. Pastor Maddie, Pastor Matt, um, you're one of my best friends. Thank you for finally in the third year of Friends and Family Month inviting me. <laughs> Took me three, top 15. Woo-hoo. But he loves Jesus. He loves this church. He loves public supermarkets. He loves uh, St. Augustine. He loves you. And uh, he's an amazing pastor. You and Jill both are forces, and we honor you. Thank you for trusting me. Um, I'm going to bring a message called The Impossible Possibility. And I know some of you are facing seemingly impossible situations, Um, but even really when it comes to living the Christian life, if we're honest, sometimes it feels impossible and that we're not gonna measure up or we're not gonna be good enough or we're gonna fall flat on our face yet again. And so sometimes we just like, why even try? Uh, but, But God says with man, things are impossible, but with him, all things are possible including what it's like to live a life for what matters most. Speaking of impossible situations, last time I was in St. Augustine, I was speaking to the amazing staff, and I honor all of you. This team is incredible. And uh, we got to, uh, the privilege of coming to spending the day together. And the night before, uh, Brittany and I had gone out to dinner, just Brittany and I, right, Jill, right, Maddie? We went to dinner by ourselves, but... Um, <laughs> Inside joke, sorry, I guess you had to be there. Don't you hate when people do those type of jokes right there? But um, we, me and Brittany went out to dinner. After the dinner, I had a friend in Jacksonville that I figured I wanted to go see. And so I drove up later at night, hung out with him, and uh, was coming back. Got back to the hotel at like 1 o'clock. And I uh, was hoping the kids and Brittany were asleep. And I was just going to sneak in quietly, go to bed, get up to the room, put my key. Uh, it unlocks. I start pushing the door open. And that security latch that only can be released from the inside of the door. I'm like, Brittany, did you not want me in? It, w- it was fastened. And so I like, bar- you've been there. You got barely got that crack that you can, but there's no way to get your hand through or any sort of utensil through or device to open that thing. And so um, I got one major problem. It's called the sound machine for the kids And it's a very tired wife, so she's fast asleep. And I'm like, Brittany, 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 nothing. 
Bang, 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 bang. Nothing. Brittany! People at the other rooms are now opening their door going, you okay? 1 a.m. Go downstairs. Talk to the lady at the front desk. Hey, could you call uh, XYZ room? We ring it. Nothing. We ring it again. Nothing. Like, this is an impossible situation. At 3.30 in the morning, true story, not preacher exaggeration. After I have considered sleeping in the car, renting another hotel room, trying to talk the lady into grace and actually just giving me one of the empty rooms they're not actually gonna sell anyway. Anyway, sorry, I went in the flesh for a moment. She didn't give me one, but um, I was reading a book and my Bible in the lobby at 2.30 a.m., like trying to, you know, not fall asleep. Finally, on the 20th phone call, Brittany answers. and's like, hello, and I'm like, babe! She's like, you okay? No! She's like, you've been trying to get it for two and a half hours. But it was that lock that was impossible to open in my own effort. I wonder if sometimes you feel like that about your faith in Jesus. One, about you following God. You, you just wonder if it's actually impossible and you're never gonna get rid of certain sins or you're never gonna be fully in love. Or you're not gonna be as on fire as other people. And you're like, I, I just don't. I don't know if this Jesus is for me. I don't know if I have what it takes. Or some of you, you, you see God and wonder if he actually even wants to open the door to you. You're like, uh, if he's on the inside, and yes, I believe that he sent his son Jesus to do for me whatever I could not do for myself, but like, if I'm honest, I, I feel guilty and I feel shameful and I've done too much and I've seen too much and I've turned my back too many times. Surely, yeah, maybe God will save me, but he's never gonna like fully embrace me and use me. It would, it would be impossible for him to use a guy or a girl like you. That's, that's what you think. But, but here, here, I wanted to start with this verse and I, it's really the point of the message and then we'll tell a story about a guy in scripture and how he faced the impossibility. Second uh, Corinthians five, verse 14, for, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced. See that word? I'm praying for a greater conviction and convincing of your heart and in my heart. We are convinced. We're not getting blown here and there by every wind of teaching, but we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. We were singing about this earlier that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. The impossible possibility is that Jesus is inviting you and me to not live for ourselves, but come on, that's the current of culture. That's the pull of the flesh. That's the, the, the message of the enemy. Hey, you are the center. Let life revolve completely around you. What do you want? What makes you happy? What, you know, is all about you? He said, but we would not live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose for us. This is not easy, but it's the possibility of a good and gracious God for you and I to live our life 
for what matters most. And you, you see this um, happening. If you turn to Mark chapter 10, there's a story in scripture that I've loved so much and I've, uh, I've, I keep going back to it with a few different takeaways every single time, but it's about the rich young ruler. You know that story? The rich young ruler. I never wanna assume, by the way, that everybody would know a story out of scripture because I always wanna go to a church, and it's true of this one, that there's people from all walks of the journey of faith. And there'd be people that'd be following Jesus for their whole life, raised in the church. And then maybe today you or your friend just rolled in, has never even been invited to a church, never been in a church. That's the kind of church this is. That's the kind of church I wanna be a part of. It's the rich young ruler. And uh, if you know, if you don't know much about him, I don't know if he is single, but I would say if he was, he would be a very eligible bachelor. And if there were single ladies, I, I mean, I, I know uh, you, you would you know, have high standards, but I think you'd be willing to give this guy at least a date. And you're like, how do you know? He was rich, he was young, and he's in charge. Ladies, any, anybody interested? Nobody? You're like, hey, it's only, it only cares about his heart. I only care about his heart. <laughs> the guys are like, is, is she hot? You know, then I'm a... But he was, sorry, let's get back on track. The, when he talks about him being a ruler, it's important to know this, this guy wasn't like uh, living his life for all the wrong things. He was actually a very moral person. He, he was a leader, because remember, this is a religious culture. And so the people that were the leaders outwardly had it all together. And they're very intent on following the Old Testament law. So this man, this young man was a leader, a lay leader, not a rabbi in the synagogue. People looked up to him. On the outside, he had it all together. And he's about to run up to Jesus and ask him a question. And you would think about this guy. He doesn't need any help from Jesus. He doesn't need any spiritual question answered. He's got it all figured out. He's a leader in the synagogue. But he runs up to Jesus, says he falls at his feet. And he said, good teacher. It's a big message there. He just was thinking about Jesus as a teacher. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is a question we all ask, right? Even this man. Uh, God, if you're God, Jesus, if you're the son of God, Holy Spirit, if you're the presence of God, what must I, I do to make sure when I die, I'm going to heaven? Can, can I have some security for my soul? Well, this is Jesus' response. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And there's the little message right there. Do we believe that Jesus is not just good, but do we believe he's God? You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. And this guy's like, man, this is good news. Like, okay, Jesus tells me I'm doing the right thing. Then Jesus takes a turn. He says, one thing 
you lack. No, Jesus looked at him, I'll come back. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And I, I've always wrestled with this because it, uh, later in this gathering, like we do in every single service at Colonial Church, somebody's gonna give up, get up and give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. And I love that. I love coming to a church where people get saved every single Sunday. Somebody got saved at the 8 a.m. You wanna clap about that? Somebody got saved at the 8 a.m. But I'm pretty sure, and it didn't happen at the 8, but Pastor Matt did not get up and say, hey, if you wanna get saved, bring all your stuff, bring your bank statements, let's clear it out, let's give it to Colonial Church, let's give 10% to Brad and a love offering, and then you'll get saved. You're like, that's not gonna happen because we're gonna get up and say, if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you become a child of God. What, what's up with this guy hearing from Jesus? He's gotta sell it all. He's gotta get rid of it all. Well, to understand it, you gotta understand two things. One, Jesus did tell him something challenging, but he did it in love. You see that passage? Don't miss this. I would underline it in your Bible. Verse 21. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Before he spoke into his life, it says Jesus saw him and he loved him. I want you to know, and, and I don't know many of you, church this size, some of you are like, I don't feel seen. I don't, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm going through, walking through. I do know Jesus sees you. He sees your heart. He sees your soul. That can be very encouraging. It also can be very frightening because nothing is hidden from God. He sees you. He knows your good, your bad, your highs, your lows, your dreams, your failures. He also loves you. And what is love? It's doing what's the very best for somebody. And the God of the universe is committed to you in love. So he's not trying to hold out on you. He's trying to do the very best for you. And that's what was happening with this young man. He looked at him in love and he said, you gotta go get rid of some stuff. Well, what kind of stuff? You're like, if you're talking about getting rid of stuff, this is why you don't like coming to church because it feels like maybe this guy's here to talk about money. God doesn't need your stuff. He wants your worship. He, he, he told the guy, hey, you, you know the commandments? And, and he listed six of the 10 commandments, the, the highest law, what came down through Moses on Mount Sinai on the tablets, which is, were put in the Ark of the Covenant. These were the top 10 rules. Everybody knew them. So Jesus quoted those, but he quoted six of them. And not just did he quote six of them, he quoted the last six about honoring father and mother, not defraud, no adultery. What about the first four? We well, gotta understand a little bit about the commandments. The last six are our horizontal relationships. The way we interact with each other, the way we treat people. The first four are about our vertical relationship, the way you and I interact with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make a God or an idol in my image. You shall not take God's name in vain. 
and you shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So Jesus said, hey, what about the commandments? And the guy said, on the, the horizontal, I'm good. Jesus saw him and he saw on the vertical, he had the wrong God. He had the wrong idol. And so what Jesus was doing was in love, pointing not at a list of rules, but an object of worship. What's in the center of your life? Let me ask a different question. What's in the center of my life? Because we're all prone to let our lives revolve around something that is less than the ultimate uh, and the most worthy. That's only God who belongs to be in the center by which everything we do and everything we are revolves around. But yet the, the current of culture and the pull of the flesh always puts us in the center. And Jesus is like, you, you have the wrong God. I don't need your stuff. I want your worship. And there's a few takeaways so you can think about them later. Point number one is God um, desires and deserves your worship. That's the point of this message. You weren't just made to follow a list of rules or check a bunch of things off of this list, but what God is looking for are worshipers, people who worship him in both spirit and in truth. Worship isn't just what we do on Sundays when we gather in church, but worship is the way we live our lives in response to how great and good God is. God wants your worship. God deserves your worship. He's the only one worthy of your worship. Worship is, yes, singing, but it's also living, right? In view of God's mercy, verse, uh, this is Romans 12, verse one. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. God desires and deserves your worship. Number two is that you have an enemy that is um, you have an enemy who is trying to steal what God desires and deserves. If God wants something and there's an enemy, what's he wanna do? Take from you what God desires and what God deserves. So the, the enemy, enemy might be using lures of temptation, but he's not just trying to get you to start doing some, some things and stop doing other things. You gotta stop going to church. You gotta start living with the, well, you know, the lust of the world. No, what he's ultimately after is your heart. Trying to make you think that God is holding out on you. Um, he's trying to exploit your weaknesses. You know that strategy? He's trying to find your vulnerable spots and expose them. Reminds me of when I played tennis in high school. And I know it would be a shock to y'all, but I was and am really good at tennis. Why are you laughing? You don't believe me? You don't believe me, okay. Wow. I'm gonna come to pickleball on Thursday night. I'm gonna show up. If I weren't at camp, I would be there. And I've actually played Pastor Matt in pickleball. It did not go well for him. It's also my birthday, so I think he and a few other people are taking it easy on me. But tennis, I had a weakness. I was pretty good at a serve, pretty good at a forehand, but I was uh, deathly afraid of hitting a backhand. 
And I, it was so obvious that I didn't want to hit my backhand because I would be, you know, if you ever played tennis and the ball's coming this way towards my backhand, I would just like jump and try to hit that forehand. It could come in time for a serve, and this is where the box is to land the serve in. I'm standing way over here. Like, it's actually impossible for them to hit, make me hit a backhand right now. But if it was a good serve, I'm like jumping. And, and, and any good tennis player during warm-ups would have figured out that I didn't like my backhand or I wasn't good. So they would spend most of their time trying to exploit my weaknesses. You have an enemy, right? The scripture talks about, Jesus said, we have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And what's his tactic? To exploit your weakness. And, and so yes, he knows what's those addictions. He, he, he knows what thoughts to bring up to mind. But ultimately, what he's trying to exploit is that you were created in the image of God to be a worshiper. And so if he wants to get your behavior, what he really needs to do is get something else in your worship and let your life revolve around that, then he's good to go. He's trying to exploit that you and me are prone to worship less than what's best, less than what's worthy. So he's trying to push other things, and it could be like this guy. It could be good stuff, like success. It's not just sin, but like, for me, let's just be honest. I'm up here teaching you the word. You might say, thank you, you helped me. I could make my ministry the center of my life. And it is then another form of pride where it's about heavenly success, but it's really about the name of Brad Jones. We're, we're, we're prone to worship less than what's best and things that are not worthy. But we also want you to remember is that your enemy has a weakness too. That's where everything shifted for me is when I didn't just go to warm-ups thinking about trying to hide my backhand. Hey, as long as during warm-ups they don't see that I can't hit this, I actually started going on the offensive with my enemies or my opponents, right? And I started thinking, well, if I have a weakness, they have a weakness, I'm gonna exploit that. And your enemy, the devil, he has a weakness, and his weakness is the power and the person of Jesus. You have a weapon, it is called worship. You have a power which is Christ in you, the Holy Spirit, who trumps every power, every attack of the enemy. This is the sword of the Spirit. It's got power. So if you wanna win this battle, remember you're not operating from a position of defeat. But greater is he who is in you than he's in the world. So what, what, what do you do? What's the takeaway? The one thing you must do is to cultivate a greater love for Jesus. If you want to live in the impossible possibility, because you wanna do something, that's what the guy said, what must I do? How do I live this life? How do I give it all for Jesus? It's simply put, cultivate a greater love for Jesus. That was 2 Corinthians chapter five, is that the love of Christ compels us. This is what, I don't want you to miss this. Is this man, he came and he, it says in verse 17 that he came up to Jesus when, when Jesus was on his way. What does that mean? Keys can come on up and make me sound more spiritual. As Jesus started on his way, 
He was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to Gethsemane. He was on his way to the cross. He was on his way to the greatest act of love the world has ever seen. And he he invited this man to come on this journey. And if this man would have said yes, he would have seen for himself in the flesh with his own eyes the greatest act of love the world's ever seen. But, but he, he, he couldn't get his mind off of his stuff. And I just wonder, I have this picture that I want you to think about as we respond. This, this man ran up to Jesus and he, he fell on his, it says he fell on his knees. Teacher, what must I, I do to inherit eternal life? He's, he's asking you could read it later. It says Jesus tells him, and what he does is he, he gets up, and ultimately he says, no thanks. And it said he walked away. Jesus going that way. He went this way, and he walked away sad. And what ultimately God in love was trying to do for you and me and there's gonna be moments of pain. There's gonna be things we gotta give up. There's gotta, think, gotta be things we gotta shift in our lives and stop doing and start doing. And those could bring some hard conversations or some sad things. But ultimately, Jesus is trying to keep you and this church is trying to keep you from being sad in the end. Because he was more, he, he was, He was maybe happy in the beginning that he didn't have to get rid of his stuff. But once he found out Jesus had died on the cross, once he found out Jesus had rose from the grave, once he found out that he missed out on the greatest thing, imagine how sad he was. Had the chance uh, to be at a church a couple months ago. Different message, but I was talking out of this passage. And um, I, I interacted with the crowd a little bit. They thought I was an amazing tennis player. No, I'm kidding. Didn't use that illustration. But they, I, I was saying I was from Texas. And this guy in the second row gave a little shout out. And we started talking. And it was the first service of the day of four. First two were the older crowd. The evening two was at Auburn, Alabama. It was going to be full of college students. We were talking about two to 3,000 college students were going to be at this church. Well, me and, me and Mike have a conversation. We just, I introduce myself, he introduces himself. I'm like, thank you so much, and kind of keep preaching. Preach the second service. At the end, the second service, we're having lunch, and the pastor gets a phone call. He tells me, he said, hey, you'll never believe this, but Mike is going home from church. Got out of his car fell over and had a heart attack and he didn't make it. And I I was preaching a message called what is eternal life? I had one conversation with one man during a message. That man had started serving that morning parking cars. 
with the setting, with the, the rising of the sun, he was serving God's people. Makes me think about Billy over here. I got here at 7.30. He'd been here since six. It's like Mike. We're singing a song about the heroes of the faith. And yes, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Moses and Abraham and uh, you know all these different heroes, but there's heroes at Colonial Church. And Mike is a hero. I, I, I got up that evening. I didn't even know if I was supposed to preach. And, and I've, I've never had a more powerful time of ministry. And we, we, we looked at Mike. Nobody sat in the chair. We looked at where he was sitting. And we remembered life is but a vapor. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Eternal life isn't just what happens in heaven when you die. But it's about what starts happening in your life now. Through a life lived for the things that matter most. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they may know me, know you and the God who, the Father who sent me. I have come so that you can have life and have it to the full. So if you want to not be sad, not only today, but in the end, just, just go a little bit further down your life and go, am I living for the things that matter most? Is what is in the center of my life what's worthy of living for and revolving around? Am I living today in light of eternity of a God who gave us Son, to do for me whatever I can never do for myself. And that, and that changes the conversation from, oh, I better do this. I better do that. No, the love of Christ compels me because yeah. I'm convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he who died, died so that we could no longer live for ourselves, but for him. Not just what happens when we die, but what happens when we live. We could not just live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. Live today, every day, in light of eternity. The impossible possibility. Don't let the enemy distract you with things that don't matter in the end. Be compelled by the love of God. Let's pray. Take a moment. What is the enemy using to distract you? Confess it, acknowledge it. Ask for the grace and the help from Jesus to put him in the center. Ask him for the sight to see that 
He's the only one worthy of being in the center. God, give us spiritual lenses today to see that there is no one like you. There is no one worthy except you. And God, I pray. Quietly, I want to ask us all to stand. And I pray, God, today that we would live today in light of the forever that you have promised us and that you have began for us. Help us not get too distracted by the lures of this world, but may we keep our eyes on following you, Jesus. And may you use us to help more more people see that you are the only one who is worthy. There's There's a day coming. And give us a greater glimpse of that now. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.